Hey, welcome to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. Today, Pastor Dave continues his powerful series, I Am, and he will continue in the book of John today. Afterwards, check out our website. A lot of information there about the church and goings-on at the church. There'll be some information there about the Pastor Appreciation Day coming up soon. Check it out. If you haven't been to church in a long time, or if you're kind of looking for a church, or you're not quite sure what church is all about these days, come and check out Houghton Baptist. Sunday morning, 10 a.m., be there, we'll be there, come as you are, enjoy the podcast, and have a great day. Good morning, church. Tell you what, is it not a joy to be in the presence of God? That's why we came, right? To get into His presence. And I tell you what, we're going to dismiss our little ones at this time for Children's Church. Our leaders are in back waiting for our little ones. We get an hour break from them. Amen? Just kidding. What do we got here? Is this for me? After I insulted you. Well, thank you very much. It's a good Sunday when you get cards and gifts before I preach. All right. No tomatoes or anything like that. Tell you what, we are super blessed. Amen? This past week when I was coming up the stairs uh, to get ready for church, I had a, a lady pass me by and she said, you know that prayer that you shared with me that I could share with a friend? And it, she was talking about the gospel. Uh, she said, I prayed that prayer with my friend and and uh, she prayed it, and she gave her life to Jesus. And uh, you should have seen the smile on her face. And, and just, you know, I was kind of just passing by and just going about my business like I often do. And, and just to think about that as we're here and we gather and we're about church and things are happening, God is continuing to further his name and use people, use you. And so this lady shared Christ with somebody and this person gave their lives to Jesus, and that's what this is all about, amen? And what's cool about this, this individual, about four years back, our church reached out to this lady and loved on her and blessed her, and, and we led her to Christ, and she got baptized and plugged into the church, and now what is she doing? She's leading others to Christ. That's the call, amen? That's the commission, uh, so when we look at the message today and we get into the teaching time, this is what this is about. And God is continuing to prepare our hearts and draw us in and, and build disciples and followers and, and to equip us and use us, not just to play a part in a church and go about our, our daily lives, but to be used for his glory. So I, when I pray, I ask that you pray as well. God, would you speak to me today? You know the place I'm at. You know the heaviness of my heart. You know the weight of my sin. You know the issues in my life. You know my physical uh, inabilities and issues. But God, would you speak to me? So would you bow your heads? And we're going to get into the teaching time uh, right now. God, it's good to be in your presence. This is your house. This is your church. These are your people. God, I pray that you would do a work in us, and I pray that you would break down barriers and walls, and 
break down tradition and break down ways of doing things and thinking of things and God that we would just get before you and let your Holy Spirit speak mightily into our lives. Lord, many of us are, are broken and we're hurting and we're going through hard things and, and our minds are other places. Our minds are with loved ones and, and, and the issues that we have. And so there's this inner war and battle that we're facing. But God, we're, we're here in your presence today and we ask that you would speak to us directly. God, we are desperate for you and your teaching. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen? So I need to start off by asking you a few questions. This is how this is going to go. You have to participate if this is going to work. Can you participate this morning just to start off? I know about mid-sermon you guys get sleepy, but you have to participate, okay? How many in here love to drive? Right, this is an acceptable answer. Love to drive. Maybe it's your motorcycle. Maybe it's your minivan. There's, we got some hand raised for the motorcycles. I hate minivans, by the way. That's why I didn't buy another minivan. My wife loves them. Maybe it's your truck. You just love to drive your truck. You just love to drive. Maybe you just love to be behind the wheel. How many here love to ride as a passenger? Shotgun, like... Five of you? It's human nature to be behind the wheel, is it not? To be the one in control, to be in the driver's seat. For for the last year, if I can help it, I don't drive that much. Now, I love to drive. Believe me, I love to drive. I would prefer to drive, but with the physical condition I, I have, driving tends to make things Worse. So when we go out, I'll have Jillian drive around. And we've been together 14 years, and I've always driven. I've always gotten the driver's seat. Let me just say this. I strongly dislike, strongly dislike being driven by my wife. I don't know if it's a control thing, probably. Amen. It, 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 it might be pride. It might be just a man thing. It just doesn't seem right, me sitting in the passenger seat. Now, I don't care for her speed. Sometimes too fast, sometimes dreadfully slow. I don't care for how she takes corners. No. In my truck, I've got one of those handles. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Holding on for dear life. Hey, I don't think she's in here. She's not in here. My wife lets everyone go through as well, which is super nice, but drives me nuts because I'm impatient and I just want to see I can get there faster. She does that with shopping carts too. (laughs) I just like, just go. She's so patient. Now, to be fair, she doesn't like my driving either, church, so you can amen that. Listen, I go through all of this stuff before I even say this stuff. I got permission. Here's my point. As we follow Jesus, the King of Kings, we have to learn to let him be in the driver's seat. Amen? We just have to. It's God, right? Because God is already in the driver's seat. We just have to allow him to be himself. We must learn as we follow God to let him be in control. Let God be God. Amen? Oftentimes as we follow him, we want to do God's job, right? Like we can do it better than he can. In dealing with our own growth, in dealing with the growth of others, 
Like, I got a plan for your life. You know what I'm talking about? To your spouse, to your friend, to that other person in the church. We got to let God be God. Dealing with sin. Oh boy. Let, let God deal with the sin in your own life. And let God deal with the sin in other people's lives. Amen? Amen? Today we're going to look at the second I am statement. Did you enjoy last week's message? I don't know what I would do if you said no. I'd probably start to cry. We're going to look at the second I am statement. Everybody say I am. So proud of you. We, we go from last week's statement, I am the bread of life in John chapter 6, where, where Jesus Christ defines himself as our portion. He is enough, right? Our sacrifice, our rescue to I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me, don't miss this part, he who follows me will not walk in the darkness but we'll have the light of life. These I am statements pack quite the punch, don't they? We're going to find out today exactly who Jesus Christ is and how he wants us, his followers, his people, to treat others. Okay? Let's look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 12 through 16. John chapter 8. Feel free to follow along in your Bibles. If you have them, if you don't have a Bible, there's hardbacks underneath your seat or the seat in front of you. If you don't, you can take one of those home. That's our gift to you. Feel free to use your smartphone or tablet or the overhead. See? We want you to be in the Word of God. Amen? John chapter 8, verses 12 through 16, says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, anyone, amen? Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, My testimony is valid because I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. Verse 15 says, you judge by human standards. I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because I'm not alone. But I and the Father who sent me judge together. Even in your law, it is written that the witness of two men is valid. I am the one who testifies about myself. This is Jesus Christ speaking about himself. And the Father who sent me testifies about me. Let's stop there. What's the context of this statement? We know that Jesus is now establishing who he is, and and John the writer emphasizes that throughout this entire account. Remember, church, we want to know God for who he is. Amen? And not what he can do for us. 
we, we get that flipped around often. We, we want God to do all of these things for us. And God wants us to know who he is. Who he is. In, in today's I Am statement, he further establishes the direction he wants people to go. As they follow him, Jesus Christ was a visionary. He, he cared more about those he was trying to reach than those he was trying to keep. Amen? By this point, remember, thousands had already walked away just from the first I am statement. They were done. They had enough of following Jesus. They came for the meal. They wanted to be satisfied. Jesus cared about those he was trying to reach. As a church, we're we're here to do one job. And one job only. I love just simple church. And that's to reach lost people for Jesus Christ. Let me just say that again. We're here to reach lost people for Jesus Christ. The church has been called to reach the lost, love the lost, be patient with the lost. A lot of churches just just talk about this very thing, right? How many times have you heard that in a message? Like, we have to reach the loss. It's like ingrained in our DNA. We get it, we understand, and yet oftentimes we don't follow the commission to reach people for Christ. Discipleship happens when our focus is right. When our perspective and our vision becomes that of God's, when our heart becomes that of God's for lost people. In the first part of chapter 8, Jesus was teaching in the temple, and I just love this this scene with a crowd present in, in front of him, much like this today. And all of a sudden, the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious people of that day, those that that looked the part through a helpless woman caught in the act of adultery into the middle of the crowd and, and made her stand there in shame. Now, church, this woman didn't come because she was confessing sin. This woman wasn't willing to be there. She wasn't trying to make a life change. They had caught her in the act of adultery and placed her there in front of all the religious leaders and Jesus Christ. To stand there in shame. Stand there in shame. Maybe some of you here this morning are living that season of shame and guilt. Maybe you can identify with her. Maybe you can understand. Maybe you've been outed. Maybe you're going through hard things. They expected Jesus, the the Son of God, to accuse her. They wanted Christ to have her her stoned to death for her crime. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? In fact, it would have been perfectly legal for them to kill her for this act. Not as a Jew, necessarily. Rome would have to have done it, but Jesus had something else in mind for this poor, broken, sinful woman. Everybody say, something else. 
let me just say this. God always has something else in mind for people who make mistakes. Amen? He, he just does. I mean, it's human nature to say, look at her. Look at what she's done wrong. And, and yet Jesus' heart is like broken in the midst of this. Like they're missing what's happening. God doesn't have punishment in mind every time we make mistakes. And yet that's how we kind of follow Christ and view God as though he's going to deal. And sometimes he does. Amen? But he's gracious. God has a purpose for those mistakes and those faults and those weaknesses and and flaws. Are you flawed? I'm flawed. I'm flawed. He has a purpose for those things. It's for rebuilding and teaching. When I make a mistake, God uses those things to rebuild me and grow me and, and teach me. Has he not used your mistakes to teach you? Absolutely. He has grace in mind. Isn't that comforting? We love grace for ourselves, but not necessarily for other people at times. Right? We we just want to soak it in, right? Because we're flawed and we make mistakes. It's like, give me, give me, give me. (laughs) We need your grace, but... You know, God, you really got to deal with so-and-so. They're messed up. Did, did, did you, God, did you see what they, how they live and what they do, right? This, this is like that inner voice, that inner man that says that we can do these things. And yet God says, I want to bestow grace on that person, that individual. I want to love them. Do, don't you want to love them? That's the call to the church. I mean, really, don't just say it, I love you, and shake their hands, you know what I'm saying? But love people. Listen, I'm not even a hugger type. In fact, when people come hug me, I just like, you know, I try to stop them. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's a bubble thing going on. As we follow Jesus, there shouldn't be any bubble with lost people, like they're going to get something on you. You know what I mean? They're too sinful, too wretched, too dirty, too filthy, Right? No. Jesus says, will you love them? I do. Amen? Will you love them? I do. And I'll go to bat for them. I'll go to bat for them. Not only was he going to spare her life, which is awesome and gracious, but he would use the scene, the situation, to further define who he was and the purpose of his own life. The Pharisees, they they wanted justice. They wanted vengeance. They wanted this poor woman to pay for her sin and for her crime. After all, she had been unfaithful. She had been unfaithful to her husband. This was a great injustice, and not just for this individual, but for the culture. And This was against herself and her own body and against her husband, against God above all. She deserved punishment. We can see, yeah, she messed up. She deserved to be there. Have we ever said that about somebody? They deserve to be there. They deserve what's coming. 
She deserved punishment by all standards. And deep down, we can be like the Pharisees in these types of situations, can't we? I mean, our inner voice screams, make her pay for what she did wrong. Maybe not all of us. Maybe some of us can be compassionate and gracious and understanding, but some of us can become angry about people's sin and wrongdoings. I'm not sure what happens between grace. Let this just sink in for a moment in your own life. Uh, I'm not sure what happens between grace and our salvation experience, that moment when we gave our lives to Jesus Christ and we claimed to Him that we were a sinner in need of grace, in need of salvation, to the point where we ever feel justified to see other people suffer consequences for their mistakes. How do we get to that point? I, I never want to be there. Amen? You should never want to be in that place. We forget what Christ has done for us. What Christ has spared us from. What Christ has drawn us from. Amen? We should want that for others. I am forever reminded of my own past mistakes and my ugliness and my faults, and my failures. Aren't you? That inner voice that that whispers, that reminds you of where you came from. The lost and the broken need encouragement. Amen? They need encouragement by the church. Those that have given their lives to Jesus Christ, just to encourage them, just to be super patient with them. They don't need the church to ever look down on them and seek justice for their wrong choices because at the end of the day, we are all prodigal children. Amen? I'm the definition of a prodigal son. Ten years, a decade, running from God. Running. Fighting and rebelling. God says, i got a plan for you. Come on back. These people that we get worked up about, God has a plan and a purpose for them. And he says, come on back. Hasn't he called you to the table time and time again? I don't know about you, but since I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I have made many mistakes. Have you? I have sinned. I've done wrong things. I've ran from God at times, I've rebelled against God at times, and yet God says, come on back. Let me show you more grace and patience. The Bible says there's no condemnation in Christ. This, I want this to resonate with our churched people those that have been around the block, those that have seen it, those that have been a part of church. There's no condemnation in Christ. That means there should never be condemnation within the body of Christ in the church, but grace and love. The church should be a safe place. Amen? A hospital for the sick, a hospital for the broken, the the messed up, (laughs) the addicted the hurting. The church should be a place for the sinner. 
As the Pharisees gathered around this woman to stone her, Jesus created this circle of safety to protect her. Oh, that we would see that as we live life and we do church and we engage in the community and with our neighbors and with other people. John 3.17 says, I did not come into the world. This is Jesus Christ. I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but save them through me, through my sacrifice. The Pharisees not only wanted her to die for her mistakes, but they wanted Jesus to to limit his grace, which is mind-blowing to me. Let me just say this while we're on the topic of grace. His grace is limitless. Everybody say limitless. Kind of those words, right? Limitless. There's no end. There's no boundaries. There's no cutoff. I can say that with confidence because I've gone completely in the opposite direction. I have tested his measure of grace over and over again. Haven't you? You've just pushed boundaries. You've rebelled at times. The Pharisees of that day thought they had figured it out. They were it. They were the elite. They were educated. They were accomplished. They were above the law and certainly above the grace. As a parent, I have a job to do as a dad, to be fair, to be mindful, to be gracious, yet firm when I need to be. Amen? But my, my kids don't always see it like that. When one of my kids does something wrong, and that's quite often, just little ones being little ones. The other two are so quick to have me discipline the other one, they'll say, get them, Dad. It's like, what? Get them, Dad? My innocent children turn into a mob very quickly. Put them in the corner. They offer up all their bright ideas. Put them in the corner. Take away their candle. Dad, you know Caden loves his candle. Take away that candle. No snacks, Dad. <laughs> I mean, they're good at, it, good at it, which is super scary because they're so little. And when I don't deliver the way that they expect me to deliver, they get mad at me. It's not fair. They deserve to be punished, Dad. They deserve discipline, not grace. See, my children understand both. Because I discipline and I show grace. I tell them that might be true, but I'm their father. Apply that to your life. That might be true, yes. What he did was wrong, but I'm going to bestow grace. Get him, Dad. Get him, Dad. Do you hear yourself in that? Ever. Does that come to mind? God says, I understand what they're doing is wrong. I understand they've messed up. I understand they are living in sin. But I'm their father. Amen? I created them. I gave them life. I have a purpose for them, a call. I have designed them. I built in their DNA. And you want me to do what? They're mine. And one day they'll come out of it. 
one day they'll come back. One day they'll see my affection for them. One day they'll see my grace and my love and my understanding. Yes, I'm being patient. I'm being merciful. Oh, church, that we would adopt this attitude as we reach people. I mean, we just can't say it. We can't put it up on a billboard or a sign. We just can't tweet it. As we reach people, let this be in our DNA to think of them as God's children created, designed, loved. Doesn't that just change the whole dynamic of the situation? I don't care what they do or what they've done. There's room at the cross. There's room at the cross. There was room at the cross for you. Amen? There was room at the cross for me. Are you kidding? I don't care how long they've done it. Five years, ten years, fifteen years. Or who they've affected. I know it's bothered you. (laughs) There's room at the cross for them. Sometimes we get away from grace. I don't know what happens But this is the very core and the foundation of who Christ is. We get away from what God has for his people. Because let me tell you, God doesn't delight in punishing his children. That's not the God that I serve. Does he discipline? Absolutely. Does he deal with us? Yes. None of us like to be dealt with by God. But he doesn't delight and punishing. As a kid, right before a spanking, I know that doesn't happen very much now, but did in my day. My dad would always say, son, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I was like, right. <laughs> like, we've gone through this before, dad. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. It's going to hurt me. I remember my dad would, would tears sometimes just torn and broken over what he had to do with me. It worked <laughs> much later in life. This will hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, and I didn't get that. Oftentimes I thought my dad was nuts for saying it. But now that I'm a father, I get it. I get it. When my kids are like, deal with them, Dad. I, can just, I just want to use it as a teaching moment to say, listen, you did wrong. You did wrong, but I'm going to be gracious to you. Isn't that the way that God has dealt with us? Absolutely. God delights in giving people a way to the cross, a second chance to to get it right, a path to grace and mercy, a path of love and forgiveness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life in them. There's that word will again. We saw that last week. He who follows me will not. Everybody say will not. Walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a promise. In other words, I will make a way out for you. It'll be through my sacrifice. It'll be through my death, my blood covering my body. When you're with me, I'll keep the lights on. You'll be protected. I will fill the void in your life. I'll feel the emptiness in your life. I will be gracious to you. 
You'll have everlasting life. You'll have everything you've ever needed as long as long as you're with me. You will not walk in darkness. As long as you're with me, you will not walk in darkness. What perfect grace. But if you get out ahead of me, or if you turn away from me, or you go your own way and do your own thing, and oftentimes we do, amen? There's nothing I can do. Like We, we want God to just fix all of these things, and yet we're not willing to follow Him and obey Him and be right with Him. There's nothing I can do until you make things right with me. Have you made things right with God? Have you dealt with sin? Have you dealt with attitude? Have you dealt with the things that that God is pressing on you to deal with? The addiction, the emptiness, the depression. Have you relied on Him? Have you trusted Him for those things? See, See, apart from God, see, none of us want to live in the darkness. Amen? Apart from God, we'll live in darkness. Whether you're churched or unchurched, whether you're saved or lost. Apart from experiencing Christ on a day-to-day basis, we'll live in places that are dark. And let me just say this. The dark isn't a place we want to spend a lot of time. Amen? I've been there. Some of you are there today. The other morning, Jill and I wanted just a few more minutes of sleep. Maybe if you're parent with young kids, you can understand that. You just want a little bit more rest. And Kipton, our three-year-old, was just bouncing all over the place. I mean, tugging at us to get up, and man, I wish I had his energy. I told him, just go into one of the kids' rooms and play, which normally that would have worked, but the rooms were still pretty dark. It, It didn't matter what I said to him. He didn't want to enter the room because of the darkness. He kept saying, Dad, it's Spooky. And I know he was trying to go for spooky. That it's spooky. There's monsters in there. I said, there's not monsters in there. We've got to sleep. We need more rest. Go into the room. Find something to play with. I don't want to go in there, Dad. I mean, you should have seen his face. I don't want to go in there. I want to be with you. I said, but I want to sleep. I mean, I love you, son, but I want to be with you. I don't want to go... In there, it's dark. I knew if I just peeled myself out of the bed and turned the lights on, he would have gone in and and played for a little while, and we would have gotten more rest that morning, but I never got up. I never got up. We just laid there, tugging on the blankets. Some of us are living in darkness. We just are. You may be in church, you may be in a Bible study, you may have a great marriage. You're living in darkness. You've got unconfessed sin. You've got anger issues and betterment issues. And there's things that you're wrestling with and you're just living in darkness. You don't want to be there. You don't want to stay there, but yet you are. You know where the light switch is. You know the answer. And then you just stay in the dark. I know because I've chosen the dark before. I've stayed there. Sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months. 
We know the answer. Think about it. If I just would have gotten up out of bed and flipped the light on, I could have just laid back down. I was too lazy. Some of us are just too lazy. Some of us are stubborn. Some of us think that we don't need God to do anything more in our life, and we just prefer the dark. Do you prefer the dark or the light? Do you prefer the dark? (laughs) Separation from God or the light? Community and relationship. Peace. Restoration. Do you desire the dark or the light? This woman who by law was guilty would be justified by Christ. We're no different. Everybody say, I'm no different. Sleepy. Everybody say, I'm no different. (laughs) By the standard of the law, we're all guilty. By the standard of God's word, we've fallen short. I've fallen short. You've fallen short. We've fallen short of the glory of God. But by Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are rescued. We are righteous. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. You know that person you've been complaining about? (laughs) Your spouse? Your neighbor? That co-worker? For God so loved the world. You just fill in their name. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He gave Jesus, right? That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. In other words, he made a way out for us. Jesus gave us a way out of the dark, a path to choose a life to live. Jesus said, he who is without sin casts the first stone. This has been covered up. How many notice the stone? That's a big rock. Right? That could do some damage, could it not? I think when we think of the text, we think of like these, these pebbles, you know. <laughs> they were there to kill her. That's what the Pharisees wanted. They, they were there for Jesus to execute her. Not be gracious, not be loving, understanding, but take rocks, good-sized rocks, and pummel her. Could could any of you do that? I couldn't. I couldn't. What a demonstration of grace. Jesus said, He, I hope you leave this place with this today. Because it'll change your perspective and the dynamic of reaching people. He who is without sin casts the first stone. Jesus says, Go ahead. I'm not going to kill her. It's up to you. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What a cutting statement to religious leaders of that day who thought they knew what they were talking about, and yet they missed it because the Son of God, the Messiah, was right there. His grace and His mercy and His plan was there, and yet they wanted the law. Jesus stood toe-to-toe with the Pharisees. Man, I love that. Don't you love that? Amen? He fought for her. The longer I serve as a pastor, in fact, today it's been nine years I've been serving here. Nine years. Amen? The more I realize that the church is just made up of a bunch of sinners. 
who make bad choices, wrong choices, sinful choices, poor choices. But the greater I understand the depth of God's love, it's hard to, hard to listen to me talk about God's love when I'm holding this, isn't it? Right? Anybody feel uncomfortable? Like, is he going to use that? Just think about that and apply that to this text and this situation. God has provided grace and mercy and forgiveness. We must view ourselves first and foremost and others through the lens of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Without it, we are exactly like the Pharisees. Jesus said in verse 15, and we're almost done, you judge according to the flesh. I'm not judging anyone, but if I do judge, my judgment is true. This was God's son. Did he not have a right to say these things? The Pharisees filed out of the temple one by one because they realized they were no different than the woman who was caught in adultery. They realized they were no different. And so instead of throwing that stone, not tossing, they were there for a mission. They just dropped it. One by one, walked away, left. What a teaching moment of grace. I can picture the woman in shame and in guilt, stuck in her sin, abandoned by her family because of her wrong choices, maybe covering herself, trying to protect herself from the church, from religious leaders. And Jesus delivers this to her. This is where true revival takes place when us as the church realize that we're no different. Amen? Jesus wasn't promoting sin or her sin or her act. He was promoting grace, the cross, and his sacrifice. He was showing the Pharisees that there was a better way to deal with sin and sinful people. If we're to follow Christ and reach people the way he designed, we must follow Follow this example that we would apply this to our outreach and to our lives. We must stop looking at others and their faults and their hang-ups and their sin and their mess-ups and simply examine us. Us. I can spend hours and hours just getting before God and letting Him deal with me. I don't have to think about anybody else. Isn't there enough work for God to do in you? Amen? Today that you would say, God, we're going to get in time of communion and we think about his sacrifice and his gift. And you say, God, what is it in me? Not my neighbor or my spouse. What is it about me, God, that you want to do a work in? What must I confess? God, you know the real me. You know my battles and my issues, God. Change my view. Change my vantage point. Change my perspective. Help me to see people the way you see them. Can't we pray that? Amen? Jesus asked, where are they? Where are they? Did no one condemn you? And she said, not one. Not one. 
not one, nor do I. Go and sin no more. Not go back to your old lifestyle, the way you came in. I won't judge you. I'll be gracious to you. Go and sin no more. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Let's pray. Father, please forgive me of times of judgment. Please forgive me of times where I was frustrated with an individual or wanted you to punish or deal with somebody, God. Help us to have your perspective. May we not forget who we are in you. May we not forget the the mercy and the grace that you showed many, God. The mercy and grace you showed us. We thank you for your sacrifice. Without it, there's no eternal life. Without it, there's no everlasting life, community with you. God, I pray for the one in here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior. May they choose the cross. May they choose salvation today. That they not leave this place empty, still living in darkness. That they would choose the light of life. God, help us, those that are church, those that are no better, those that have been around the block. Would you change us, O oh God? Help us to be the church to reach lost people and love lost. Understand that most people are just doing things because they're broken and they're hurting and they're self-medicating. They're already hurt and beat up by this world and by their own families. God, let this place be a, a place of refuge and shelter and grace and mercy and love and forgiveness and patience and understanding. Help us to see people and know that there's room at the cross. Not only for our neighbors, but for us too. There's room for us this morning. Oh God, we love you. And we praise you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Houghton Baptist Podcast. We appreciate your support. And speaking of support, there's a lot of different ways you can support Houghton Baptist in addition to the traditional way of giving your tithe or check at church. We have online giving on our website at HoughtonBaptist.org. And we also have text giving. If you're interested in text giving, just dial 906-346-1317 and follow the information from there. Easy peasy. If you're looking for a church or you're just not sure what church is all about, why don't you stop by Houghton Baptist Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Be there. Come as you are. We do. Have a great day.